this is Kenneth Wong, Senior Editor for DE247. Welcome. This is part of our December 2021 Industry Leadership Profiles podcast series. Simulation software vendors have been talking about democratizing simulation, making it widely accessible to a wide range of people for a long time. And one way to do that is to make use of the ubiquitous cloud architecture. Today, on that subject, we talked to David, CEO of SimScale. David, welcome. Would you mind giving us some background information about who you are? Hi, Kenneth. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. And also a warm welcome to the audience. And thanks a lot for carving our time to listen. Um, sure, a bit of info about myself. Um, I have a background in applied math and mechanical engineering. I've been involved ever since in scientific computing. Uh, wrote my diploma thesis on multi-phase flow methods, in fact. Um, and then um, uh, nine years ago, we founded SimScale with the belief that there's a lot of untapped innovation in making simulation more accessible beyond you know, the, the late stage design validation in large organizations where it's primarily used even up until today in most organizations. And so ever since we executed on that vision, um, and of course, in the early days, it, I wrote a lot of code myself still. Um, now with SimScale growing, we've just passed 100 team members. I guess my day-to-day -day activities has slightly changed. But um, at the core, you know, um, a lot stayed the same. We're still in the business of helping customers innovate faster by making simulation more accessible. Okay, let's talk about this culture shift that you are trying to facilitate here. Traditionally, FEA is done with software that is installed on a powerful workstation, and if necessary, augmented with additional computing powers from a server or a data center. Do you think the engineering community is willing to adopt and use cloud-hosted software now? I think there's a short and long answer to this. The short answer is yes. Uh, there's many engineering organizations that are ready to or have already adopted cloud-based simulation. Um, SimScale alone, um, you know, is, is is indicative of that. We're, you know, we've been fortunate enough to onboard hundreds of thousands of users, work with thousands of engineering organizations, running millions of simulations, uh, simulation jobs in production over the past years. And so, and, and growing fast, and that is indicative of that cloud adoption um, for simulation workflows is real, right? And not just a, a dream for the future. And we're not the only um, vendor or, or company working in that space, right? There's more and they see adoption. And so as such, this is happening. So that, that's a fact. Now, the longer answer or the longer part to this answer is certainly that this, that a, that a broad adoption of the cloud for simulation workflows doesn't happen overnight, right? That this is a, that this is a process that, um, that you know, has been steady over the past years and it will still take um, years from here on out. And the reason is that this is not a, you know, a point solution or a small, I don't know, productivity tool in a marketing and sales tool stack. It's, um, it's critical, a critical piece of software, a crit critical part of a hardware engineering process and that takes time to change. Still, we believe that by the end, the um, you know, at the end of it, the adoption of cloud for simulation is almost inevitable, because there's macroeconomic or high-level trends that are here to stay, and where the cloud can help you know to to cope with them. And that starts with the ever-increasing pressure of shipping better products faster at lower cost. Right, that isn't going anywhere. That that is here to stay. 
and um, and it will require engineering organizations to um, find better product designs quicker. And for that, you know, you need to simulate earlier in the design process, broader in the in the organization. Um, you need, you know, design processes will have to change, and and cloud-based simulation solutions can help here. Uh, but beyond that, it's it's not just this, you know, ever increasing uh, pressure. It's also um, the you know the the latest with COVID, we've seen that engineering organizations are more dispersed, are more uh, remote, need to be more agile. Supply chains can be disrupted, and for that, we're in a new reality of, um, you know, teams forming quickly, disassembling quicker, um, remote work, and again, a cloud-based simulation workflow can help here as well. I could go on, right? We could talk about the advent of the digital twin, um, where uh, you know cloud-based simulation technology will play or can play an important role, um, and more about those facts. So, uh, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's macroeconomic trends in hardware engineering that we believe will drive the adoption of cloud simulation um, faster and faster over the next years. David, well, since you talk about this as a process change, really. Would I be correct to assume that it will take longer for established large enterprises like aerospace and automotive giants to adopt software in the cloud, whereas startups are more willing and able to um, very quickly adopt something like that? Um, is that the correct way to look at it? I think by grass and large, yes. Um, I think the uh, I'm, it's, I don't think it's hundred percent correlated with the size of the organization, but um, I think by gross and large, yeah, the like changing um, existing sort of incumbent workflows, you know, calibrated, validated simulation models is certainly um, taking longer than an organization that sets up, you know, a fresh design software stack or engineering uh, software stack uh, for sure. Yeah. What do you say to people who usually bring up security concerns? There may also be cultural resistance because people are just used to working on the workstation and they feel more secure. Or there may also be legitimate concerns about some industries where the regulation requires that they keep data a certain way and not in the public cloud. Yeah, so I think there's um, there's these different facets to it that you already um, you know touched on. For sure, there's a compliance factor, right? And if a if a cloud-based um, solution isn't compliant with a any with a given industry standard, um, then of course that's a legitimate concern, right? That that rules that cloud-based solution out for for that specific compliance. Um, now. You, you are right that more often than not, it's more an emotional um, aspect because um, outside of compliance, right, if an organization just has historically um, preferred to have on-site hardware um, and, and local, you know, locally installed software, there's oftentimes, yeah, just an attachment to this way of doing things. And if you look at it in a sober way, a SaaS service provider or, you know, a, um, a cloud service provider oftentimes has full teams, um, you know, that are only dedicated to IT security, um, that technically, um, you know, you might be better off with um, the security given by your full-time team that takes care of IT security at your cloud service provider, other than doing that yourself, depending on the size of the organization. So I think it's this, you know, the compliance, technical, and emotional aspects um, that need to be separated. By the end of it all, I think it's the same as we've seen SaaS and cloud adoption in other industries, right? As, as those offerings mature, as more and more compliance 
um, you know, as more and more standards are, are being complied to by those uh, SaaS software providers, we also that will accelerate adoption faster and faster. So I think in engineering software today, we're having the discussion around these security concerns that probably, you know, were in the CRM world or the ERP world maybe 10 years ago, right? And so eventually, um, we believe also that will be overcome. Let's talk about what people get when they signed up for um, SimScale because it's a subscription model. So it's a little bit different from um, a software that one would install. But um, what are the different type of scenarios that they'll be able to simulate and what kind of solvers are accessible to them? So um, at SimScale, uh, let me start first by saying like we're, SimScale is a completely cloud-based platform. It's a cloud native. That means we're rapidly innovating on it, rapidly expanding it, um, shipping you know, very, very often. And that's the beauty of, of SaaS, right? Everyone has the, always the latest version. Um, all migrations are done by us, et cetera. So one can innovate much faster in the cloud than with a, um, with a local desktop deploy. That being said, today, SimScale, um, SimScale's capabilities are primarily in structural, thermal, and flow. And so I think it's fair to say that in, in all of those three areas, we have a fairly broad offering. Um, you know, all the, I guess, um, analysis types you would expect from a professional simulation solution starts with, um, uh, you know, steady state and change and analysis and structural analysis, uh, of course, linear, nonlinear mechanics, um, many different types of material models, assemblies and parts, um, et cetera, on the structural side of things. And then over to flow, um, incompressible, compressible, you know, laminar, many different turbulent models, um, uh, multi-phase, single-phase, uh, species transport, um, et cetera. And then going into heat transfer, uh, conduction, convection, uh, both of it coupled, right? And a conjugate heat transfer analysis, and then all the way to radiation can also be fully coupled in. And so as such, um, we cover, and that is also, uh, bit of our product strategy, right? We cover a very broad range of the general purpose engineering challenges that um, happen in, across many different industries. And that's also reflective of SimScale's customer base today. So we have many customers from you know, architecture, automotive, uh, consumer goods, pharmaceutical, um, biomedical, a lot of uh, industrial equipment, rotating machinery, uh, et cetera. So it's a fairly broad um, account base. Now, on your question with solvers, we like to... Um, we like to say that we work backwards from the customer problem, you know, from, from the applications and engineering challenges the customer has, and then we just choose whatever the best method um, is in, in, in the back end of SimScale. And so as such, over the years, we've been integrating um, several solvers, in fact, on SimScale today. Um, we employ multiple different methods and that, you know, is one is an implicit finite element solver. Um, and then there's, it goes into um, CFD side of things where a, a traditional um, body fitted finite volume solver, uh, then a GPU based lattice Boltzmann solver. And then um, just recently we integrated um, also another finite volume solver that's very, that has very specific capabilities with respect to automatic meshing and fast turnaround times. So you see there's, many different solvers, but we like to sort of, you know, concentrate on the customer problem and just have the method, whatever the best method might be to solve um, that problem, have it simply available as part of the Simska subscription. A lot of the people who use simulation tends to want to do what is known as design of experiments. So 
a wide swath of design options evaluated at the same time. So when the results come out, they can pick and choose the best, the most stable, the optimal design. In order to do that, people often say that it's been really difficult to estimate how much a particular session will cost. Do you have any tips, uh, for example, on SimScale's uh, model licensing structure? Will it be reasonably easy for them to estimate how much it'll cost to run such an experiment? So the, I think there's, I guess, two, yeah, probably three um, novel aspects here when you go with this into the cloud. Um, the first, it starts with the licensing model. Many licensing models for, of traditional, uh, you know, desktop deployed softwares have the limitation that you can only use it on so-and-so many cores, right? Or on so-and-so many nodes. And so it's um, hardware constrained what your software allows you to do simultaneously. Um, with Simska's licensing model, that constraint is gone. So you can run as many simulations as you want simultaneously, right? So one, one uh, Simska subscription enables you to do that. Now, of course, um, the computing time that is used by any given uh, you know, by any given compute instance to run your simulation on. Of course, this is deducted from your quota, and so there's a quota component to it. Um, two more things here. Um, very, very often is the cost of this, you know, incremental simulation or of an incremental simulation run is so marginal compared to the, you know, like to, to any other software licensing cost and also to the engineering time you put in that for many um, design studies, you know, customers just don't even care. And when it becomes relevant, so for example, one, um, one example that I could list here is we have fairly advanced wind studies with the GPU-based Lattice Boltzmann solver that are very large, you know, hundreds of millions of cells um, running in GPU instances. So there, the incremental simulation, you know, might at least, you know, the cost of it might at least become relevant. And so in such situations, what um, the, the cloud also or a system such as SimScale um, uh, brings is the ability to predict what the runtime and what the you know required resources for a run before the start um, to predict that already right and to give you an estimate of um, to see whether or not you're willing to invest that and that is also because the um, you know on SimScale running tens of thousands of simulations a week and so that gives us the ability to train um, predictive models machine learning models that can predict just based on the uploaded geometry as well as the simulation setup that specifies the physics the runtime and compute resources required for that simulation run. And so as such, a priori, it's possible to see how much runtime um, and computing costs will occur from a given run. And so if, again, if, oftentimes it's really if, if the incremental simulation run cost is really you know, relevant, um, then you could use such a predictive model um, to already gauge if you're willing to invest that amount of money. Very good. David, thank you so much for going through the licensing models and the cultural changes and all the implications. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is all for this episode. Until next time, I'm Kenneth Wong for DE247 and we are out.